I've had arguments with, with like, my brother, um, which we just like to fight, so that's not, who knows how real they are. But he's like, why should we have to change, like, stories that are canon to, like, make them more inclusive? Isn't it weirder to be like, oh, well, a black guy has to play that part because you're trying to be inclusive. I'm like, we can't get to the phase where we don't think about it until we think about it. New York, I know you have Yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my ambition. Hey, are you a human being that's listening to this? Well, thank you for being that and doing that. Uh, welcome to La Mezcla, episode three. Thank you to everybody who listened to the first couple. Uh, and I'm Adrian Burke. I'm the creator uh, and host of this program. Uh, so thanks for being here. Our guest today is Kimberly Chatterjee. Uh, Kimberly's a mixed-race South Asian actor based in New York City. She can be seen on stages all over New York. Uh, most recently, she was in the world premiere of Kate Hamill's Pride and Prejudice at Primary Stages. Uh, she's uh, an NYU graduate, or Tish, if you will, <laughs> and uh, she studied at the uh, Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. Uh, all this to say, she makes my improv comedian ass feel very inadequate. <laughs> Uh, Kimberly and I talked about growing up in California with an Indian-American father and a white mother, uh, the difference in diversity between the populations of New York and California, the importance of representation in media, and uh, much more. Uh, it was a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. I was searching for a perfect place and time to get peace of mind. It wasn't hard to find. I got like as a line of skin, yet it's mine. Thank, Thank you for having you. me. Of course, yeah. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Let's yeah. like start with the basics. So where are you from? I'm from California. Awesome. Where? Um, no- Fremont. Okay. Which is in Northern California. Thank you. As I'm we say, from New York, I know nothing about <laughs> California. If people have heard of it, it's because it's the last stop on one of the BART trains, the okay. Area Rapid Transit. Shout I have out. heard of the BART, yeah. Great. Um, some cool things about Fremont. We have the California School for the Deaf. We have the largest Afghani population outside of Afghanistan. Wow. In the country. Okay. Um, Do you have any idea why that is? Well, part we're we're in the Silicon we're near the Silicon Valley area, like Palo Alto, Facebook, Google. Right. Um, and so I think over the past like fifty years have been there's been a lot of immigration from other parts of the country. Our world rather. Um, but there's a huge Indian population, huge Middle Eastern population. Huge Asian population, and of course, huge um, Mexican population. Right. But I believe in my town now, white people are the minority, actually. Wow. Yeah, moving to New York was soups interesting. I was like, hmm, where are all the Asian people? They're all in one <laughs> part of the city? Cool. <laughs> when did you move to New York? I moved to New York to go to NYU 2010. Oh, got it. Um, okay. Yeah. So I've been here eight years, almost. Not quite. Do you go back often? I go, and in school, I would go back for every break. Yeah. Um, since then I probably go back like two times a year for like two weeks each, um, depending on life events. Like the past two years I've been, um, working in the summer as an actor. So Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to go back, but before that I'm like, I'm free. I'll come hang. uh, I mean, (laughs) Hey, if I could blow off my family by saying, Hey, I got to work, (laughs) I I would do it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know I can't take the humidity and like, I have to leave. Oh yeah. I have to leave this place. Total nightmare. Uh, but what, it's better in California? There's yeah. no humidity in California. I guess it is. So I know just, nothing. I know nothing. Right. Well, it's um, 
it can get hotter, but is that even true anymore? I mean, weather doesn't, there's no patterns anymore. So I say that, yeah, but this summer, matters. I mean, we're never going to see this summer. Nothing garbage. matters, nothing's terrible, great, we're on the same page. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get into what this podcast yep. is about. Not about California and the weather patterns? Great. We're literally talking about the difference in weather between New York and California right now. Riveting stuff. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so which parent is Indian? My father. Okay, but he was born and raised in America. Okay, great. Um, so he was first generation. He was born in Ohio, but actually grew up in upstate New York in Buffalo, New York. Okay, cool. And um, your mom? My mom is white, All right. but she's Irish, German, and British ah, specifically. Um, Anglo mix. Anglo mix. Like her. So on my mom's side. Let's see. This is right. I think like her great, gr- her great grandparents like came from Ireland. So okay. no one in my family goes back that far. Everybody was post Civil War. Okay, got um, it. On all the sides. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty similar. One side of my family is Peruvian, the other side is Irish, but mm-hmm. they similarly came like modernish. Yes. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think we came like like 1880s or something like that. Oh yeah, that even beats us. Yeah. Yeah, like we were even way later. Yeah. I wish I knew the year, but I don't. I know. I think I have a family tree somewhere that I should have looked at, but yeah. So the area you grew up in, were you, uh, like, what kind of schools did you go to? What were, like, the demos there? I went to public schools, all public schools. Great. Um, It was super mixed. So, So interestingly, like, because I grew up with people who either they were first generation from other countries or they had just come from other countries, Mm. kind of if you were mixed at all, you were white. So I grew up white. Interesting. Um, like, my friends who were Indian obviously spoke whatever the language of their family was. Uh, like, their parents came from a, just came from India, or they just came from India. So the fact that I was second generation and mixed was like, mm. oh, you're a white girl. Ah, so they would actually call you a white girl. The mean ones would. Most of them. <laughs> it's not like everyone was like, eh, white girl. Yeah. But it was, there were so many mixed race people in my, uh, where I grew up. That Ugh, it wasn't bizarre. I'm yeah, so jealous of that. Like Homecoming Court for us. This, I don't know. This is always my example because I think of every teen movie that's supposed to like represent youth. Yeah. I roll. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes. Um, <laughs> everybody, can everybody, just roll to eyes. I roll. Um, like our Homecoming Court was my friend. Wait, what Homecoming Court? Like Homecoming Queen and Homecoming Runner. Oh, is that a thing? Like this is the court. <gasps> yes. Well, I never. So knew. I skipped school. all my homecomings. Um, I was, okay, so I was a nerd. I was, like, in student government, class vice president, and drama club, and French, and all that. Like, I was not Like, a little bit of an overachiever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm a perfectionist. We can get into my psyche at a different podcast. (laughs) Um, the interesting. Um, but yeah, so there was, like, the homecoming, like, it didn't mean anything, but there was still, like, the football game that everybody went to, even though none of us cared about football. Mm -hmm. No offense to people who care about football. Um, and so our homecoming court was, uh, a half Japanese... Just second or third generation, me, so like mixed. Then my friend Emily, who is Vietnamese but born and raised in America, um, and a girl who was from, I want to say, like some Latin American country, and then another girl who was of Mexican descent. Like, no, nobody was white. Wow, that's or they were, and that was normal. That was. There were a lot of white people there. Sure. There's a huge Mormon population, which wasn't exclusively white. It was also, like, um, Tongan and other things. Mm. But And largely peaceful? There wasn't any, like, sort of... I mean, we have a, we had a gang population. Mm. Like, we had open campus lunches because we couldn't have the gangs all be on campus at the same time. Wow. 
But alternatively, like, we knew people who were in the gangs and they were really nice people. Like, some of them took yeah. AP classes. Like, I think that's so cool. Uh, well, not cool. Not cool, but, uh, yeah, but uh, it's complicated. We ha- I grew up in a really rich suburb of New York. Mm. Uh, and it's, I grew up with a lot of the type of people who, if you mentioned gang members or anything gang-related, uh, like, the reaction would be like, those are not human beings. Mm. <laughs> Let's not acknowledge them at all. I mean, we had rules like we couldn't wear red or blue on campus. Shit. Um, wow. And like all hats were eventually banned because people would like wear their cardinal's cap and that would like be a signal. And these are all things that we were told, but yeah. I never witnessed the sure. aftermath. I did see like some gang activity, like the end of high school, but I mean, it was, and I never really thought that stuff was bizarre mm. until I came here. Yeah. Because we had private schools in my town, and it's not like my town is indicative of all of Northern California, but we had private schools, but there were very few, they were very expensive, and they were always religious, Mm. so we always had friends, you knew people who went to the middle school, and then eventually went to like a different high school, and then there was one fancy private high school that was far away, so everybody went to public school. Cool. Um, That's where, where you... I mean, I, I'm interested in getting into your parents' story. Yeah. Because uh, were they conscious of, like, maybe choosing an area that was a little more mixed or not? No, they... I don't think so, because they met at UC San Diego. Okay. So my dad eventually left New York, and that's where my parents met. Um, and then they dated for a long time, and then my mom was a teacher, and she was teaching in Northern California. Um is that true? Ooh, I might be messing this up. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> but she was a teacher. I think actually she was teaching in Southern California. And then my dad got a job in the area where we were living. Got it. Um, near there. And so then they moved up there, got married, got, mm. and then that's how they ended up there because of work. So I don't really think it was something they were conscious of. Sure. There was also, you know, it took, there was nuance and difficulty to them actually getting married because of cultural acceptance on my dad's side. Oh, wow. Um, which is, I can only imagine how possibly difficult that must be to, to have somebody not accept you. Yeah. Um, and I can also imagine how difficult it is for them to try and bring their culture from this place where they grew up and to be like, that's not going to really exist anymore. Um, so I, it's, but for us, like, we didn't experience any of that. My mom says she was like, once we had kids, everything was so much better. Like, they were just so thrilled to have grandchildren. Yeah. So we never experienced any of that weirdness. So do you feel maybe a little disconnected from that? Oh, a thousand percent. Like, yeah. I don't speak, my dad, he could understand Bengali, which is the language we would speak, not mm-hmm. Hindi. Um, but he never learned to speak it. Um, he's not Hindu. He wasn't raised Hindu, even though both of his parents were. Because mm-hmm. where he grew up in New York, it was all white people. There was one other Indian kid in the whole school. Do you know where in New York he grew up? Uh, he grew up in Tonawanda, New York. Okay, where yes. is that? It's ne- it's in Buffalo, near okay. Clarence, which <laughs> I only mention because they have a famous hot wings place, ah. Duff's Hot Wings. When you get the further north in New York you get, people get crazier mm-hmm, about hot wings. Mm-hmm. Um, so... My dad, I mean, my upbringing was so similar to my dad's in terms of kind of, I'm going to be a a white American culturally, Yeah. except for him, it wasn't a a choice. Like there weren't other Indian people there. Right. It was like one other family, one other, like he just went to his 
something at high school reunion. Uh-huh. And he's like, and Neil was there. And we were like, hey, man. <laughs> The one other guy. <laughs> they weren't even like friends, but they were like, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and I have no idea what the demographic is like there now. So when you were growing up, um, uh, were you, did you sort of edge more towards trying to connect with Indian culture or just being the white girl that people sort of treated you It was as? interesting because it was so much less conscious because it was all around you. Like, yeah. So not my, there's five high schools in Fremont because Fremont's a pretty big city. Um, and so like one of the high schools, which it was one of the better schools. So a lot more of the Asian population went there. Like they, the parents would consciously move into this area, which was a really wealthy area. So they would, I have a friend who lived in a two bedroom house with her parents and two other siblings. Mm. I mean, two of them work for Google. They're all stars. They're, we could talk about Star Guns forever. <laughs> um, but they, people would move to the specific district to get to go to this school. It's one of the best public schools in the country. Um, so because it was a larger Asian population, like at our se- at their senior ball, there would be like it was part of the tradition to have a group bhangra dance in the middle of like your senior ball at the Capitol. Awesome. Which again, I never thought was weird. Everyone like looked forward to it regardless of their background. And now my friends are like, you did what? I was yeah. like, yeah, they all like, all the seniors would like learn a routine. Isn't and that like, funny how it. when you're younger, everything's normal. Right. Because uh, it's fi- all you know. And then five years pass, maybe you go to college and you tell people what you did and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, you about? didn't, there was no like bhangra team at your school. And they're yeah. like, what is that word you keep saying? I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, you mean you didn't do Cotton Eye Joe? What the fuck? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Um, so in that, like, it was like we would have um, at our high school cultural, like, cultural dress day where you would wear clothes from whatever your family cultural background was, mm-hmm. and everybody would participate in that. So you would see we had multicultural assemblies where everybody would just perform. I mean, you it was the most incredible. That, you could tell, was an incredible thing. They'd be like, okay, first up, the Polynesian dance, then the Bhangra routine. Wow. Then, I mean, it was just... And then, like, this incredible Spanish dancing with the beautiful skirts, and like, oh. the, and all the men would come and stomp, and they would bring... They would have these costumes because they're from their family. Yeah. So, like, oh, those things... I had nothing like that yeah. growing up. So, I knew... I felt that I was not Indian... In the like, in the way that I, you could walk down the halls and hear people speaking Indian languages, mm-hmm. um, but I was friends with those people still. So yeah. I was still, and like, there's like Bombay Garden is still a buffet that you can go to, and like there was just Indian food and Vietnamese food yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, so you were friends with the people who were speaking the language. Was there mm-hmm. a, was there a little bit of that insecurity that I don't know the language? Towards the end of the like, I grew up I with had, them since I had the exact same thing. Yeah. Because my Spanish is not. Perfect. It's right. okay, but I'm constantly insecure around other native speakers. Well, it's so bizarre because I started to feel it towards like senior year. I remember my friend Nikita was like, "You should do the multicultural dance with us this year and like do the dance routine." And I was like, "I don't know that style of dance at all." Like I took dance classes, but tap, ballet, jazz, whatever. Right. I was like, "I don't. I. I don't. I don't think I could do it." And she was like, "There are other. There's like white girls in it. Like there's eight, there's other non South Asian girls in it. Just like do it for fun." I still remember because I was like, no, I'm not going to, I can't, I'm organizing the event because mm-hmm. I was like, so I can't be in it. And I'm like, yeah, it's rare. I didn't know at the time how rare those opportunities are for someone to say, I'm inviting you into this yeah. to experience it. Um, did you end up not doing I it? I didn't do it, no. Yeah. I, th- I did a lot of similar things yeah. where I'd have other uh, Latin people mm-hmm. try to bring me into the community and I was so so insecure about, well, I'm a very white passing person, Mm -hmm. but I was so insecure about a lot of things that I would just be like, I can't claim that. Just leave me out. And it's also, I felt weird loyalty towards 
not just my mom, but both of my parents, like my dad consciously chose to raise us in this specific environment mm-hmm. for whatever his reasons are. Right. So then to, at the like unconsciously to try and engage in that felt like, oh, but I, my dad didn't want me to do this for some reason. Oh, wow. Like there's something about it. Did you ever talk to your dad about that? Yeah. Even still. Um, I've talked to my older sister who's talked to my dad about it. She filters the information to me. Uh, I also have an older sister. Yeah. I know how that is. Like she wrote a paper in junior high, I think, or high school about being mixed race. I think, and that was the first time my parents ever heard us ever talk about it. Mm. Um, cause my sister, I think it must've been, it was about, it was when she was in Girl Scouts because it was such a diverse population, people would click up based on, okay, the Filipino girls would hang out right. and the Mexican girls would hang out. Right. And my sister was like, I didn't know where to hang out. That was like the beginnings of, oh, my parents probably being like, oh. But I mean, at the same time, my mom's like, people would mistake me for your nanny all the time. Because I would, I mean, my phone, sorry, podcast people, that's a picture of me. That's what I look like growing Aww. up. But like darker because well, I was in the sun. Whenever I post this online, we'll use that We'll picture. use this picture. <laughs> But, um, so my mom, who is blonde haired, blue eyed and white, mm. she's like, you know, it's not like I'm ignorant of, of what people perceive. Right. So, cause from her end, she was like, people would come up to me asking, or ask to me, Kimberly, like, are you lost? Are you with this woman? Like oh my, my whole, God. and all of us looks like that. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I'm oh, so not. So people would thought you're, would think your mom was like kidnapping yes. you? Yes, or the nanny, or adopted. Just wow. assume yeah. we're adopted. Um, so she kind of experienced the opposite side of it. Mm. Whereas I was like, oh, I'm just like a white person. Yeah. And then coming to NYU, my one of my roommates um, is Pakistani. And she, so it was kind of, but also she's like, she does speak Urdu and she is um, Muslim. But... She grew up in, born and raised in New Jersey, uh-huh. and so she and I kind of related about that, which was a really nice transition that I didn't know that I would need. Mm. But I was just talking to a friend the other day, like, I don't have Indian friends here. I don't. Like, I have f- actor friends in the community that I have worked with that I respect their opinion, and I love working with them, and I'm grateful for them, but I don't, like, get coffee with them. Mm. All of my friends are, not all, I mean, I have, Chloe and I talk about mixed race stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, but the majority of my friends are black or white um, or Jewish, yeah. which is its own complicated identity thing. Right. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have to acknowledge that everyone. <laughs> I live in Washington Heights. Yeah. I don't have money to produce this podcast. And sometimes the Dominican people on the street are going to blast music. Maybe when you listen back, that'll be like a meaningful layer to whatever I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Like but you were saying great things. Let's, let's try to reiterate that thought because I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I don't have, again, I did not realize the specificity of the diversity of where I grew up. I was like, I know I grew up in a diverse place. New York City is an incredibly diverse place. It will be the same kind of diversity. And it's just not. Yeah, New York City is surprisingly segregated. Yes, which makes sense when you look at the history of this place. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the immigrant group was at the time, we were like, we don't accept you. Yeah. Go far away. Yeah, I mean, if there, there are pockets of a lot of Queens. Uh, mm-hmm. is, Queens is like the, one of the most diverse counties in the country. Right, but where I live in Astoria... right. It's a huge Greek population, so there's that, which is amazing, and I feel very grateful to be around. But it's getting more... I mean, the fact that I live there, despite my ethnic background, Mm. 
is gentrification. <laughs> I went to NYU and yeah. then moved there. Like, I'm very aware of that. Um, but so, yeah, coming to NYU and also very specific to my field in the performing arts. Right. So you went, did you go to school for acting? I went to school for acting. I went to Tisch uh, for it. musical theater. Um, and then I studied abroad in uh, RADA for Shakespeare for a semester. Wow. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there was, like, one of my really good friends that I'm seeing tonight is... Um, both of his parents are Chinese Americans. Uh, both of his parents, I believe, speak either Mandarin or Cantonese, but neither he nor his sister do. Oh, and you wow. and you look at him, and he's like me; like he looks Chinese. Yeah. Um, but we weren't actually friends kind of till the end of college. And we were like, "Oh, I wish I'd found you sooner, yeah. and we could have like talked about." I this. know that feeling, and honestly, I've been getting that feeling a lot recording this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think when you're uh, raised uh, largely American, but you do have this half mm-hmm. of your heritage that's sort of ever present. Um, you don't realize until a lot later in life, like, oh, I, I haven't spent a lot of time with people who are like me. Yes. And not necessarily like me uh, that I needed to spend time with more uh, Peruvians, but right. just more mixed people. Yes. I think there's something important about connecting with people who are like you. Right. That. And I want, like, your experience is you were probably so aware of your mixedness growing up, it sounds like, where you lived, whereas yeah. I was aware of it, but not in a way that at the time was was uh, pejorative, mostly. Right. There were a, a, the occasional people being like, why is your name Kimberly? Are you white? And I was yeah. like, half, because yeah. most of the other people weren't. Yeah. Well, my experience largely wasn't pejorative, but mm-hmm. it was something that I'd argue is sometimes worse, where it's the, um, the like, New York sensitive liberals mm-hmm. who are just who almost kind of fetishize that part mm. of you they're just like wow what's Peru like like tell me all about <laughs> it and you get the, do you ever get that like yeah. people in New York are kind of like tell me about India well I have a lot of um I so my day job or survival job is as a house manager at various theaters cool um and I've worked at a bunch over the past four years and Several. One of the theaters in particular, their demographic tended to be older and white or white passing. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, talk about again, every theater in New York. <laughs> there was a huge Jewish population, and I know to just be like, they're white is not is a complicated thing. Right. So. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity there. Yeah, especially the older Jewish population that are like in their 80s now. Different growing up Jewish <laughs> for them than now. Yes. Um, but I would get a lot of like, where are you from? And I'd do the thing of like California. No, where are you from? Northern California. And I'd see how long I could go. And I'd be like, oh, my grandparents are from India. You <laughs> would know? you just string it along yeah. to oh, make yeah. them look worse? I yeah. love that. Not when I first started. First time I was like, oh, oh, I know what you mean. And now I'm like, no, bitch. Yeah. Um, so that I would get a lot of, of that specifically at, in the workplace, like at, at, the, at theaters there. Um, yeah, see, to me, that makes me more uncomfortable than like yeah. a straight up racist. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, of. oh... And it's hard because my thing is, like, taxi drivers ask me all the time, mm-hmm. but I'm like, this is the New York City thing of uh, no one's from here, right? right. Unless you're ni- from the indigenous population, yeah. which we killed a lot of them. Hashtag America. Um, so then no one's from here. So it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel weird to me. Getting in a cab and then being like, where are you from? Where are your parents from? Mm. I'm like, this feels like New York to me because then I can be like, where are you from? Yeah. And then they, t- I know it's not bizarre. What's bizarre is the, like, tiptoeing. Yeah. I'm like, don't tip... Like, I want to know your ethnic background. Are you German? Are you yeah. Polish? Like, 
Let's discuss that. I think you're onto something there. It would be one thing if they if people ask the question really confidently yeah. and normally, but there's a lot of like uh, kind of hushed tones. Yeah, because for me and I, you know, I'm I've just decided that that's how I approach it until somebody tells me that makes them uncomfortable and we can discuss it. But I am curious about people's ethnic backgrounds because it's something that I think about a lot. Yeah. And it's very easy. I, I make a lot of comments about white people, white people, like on my Facebook page and stuff. And what I mean by that is white culture. Yeah. Knowing that whiteness has changed based on who is in power. We all know Irish people weren't white at one point and right. Polish people weren't white. So whatever whiteness is now, which includes those people yeah. most God, often, which is its own complicated... Who knows what it is. Right. And then white passing and all that stuff. Uh, but so I'm very I'm like, oh, what's your ethnic background? Or people be like, uh, when people ask me... I'm not offended by that mm. because I'm like, you're just asking the honest question of I, the thing of, I can't tell what you are. I'm curious about it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I have to tell them, but, it, but I appreciate someone actually knowing what they're asking. Cause I feel like when you don't ask that, you're like, I'm looking at you and because I can't categorize you, it's making me uncomfortable. So just tell me, uh. <laughs> you know, I'm like, if you're not actually curious about the ethnic background and culture of my, of me. Then why are you asking the question? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, I, that definitely speaks to, um, I know we're both actors, that definitely speaks to the audition room, where mm. they're not actually looking to learn anything about you. They're yeah. looking to see if you fit a look. Right. Which, I'd be interested to get your perspective on this, um, because for me, what I find is there, there just isn't a lot of, it, this is changing so rapidly, and especially this upcoming season, so I'm hesitant to say this, but historically... There has not been a lot of South Asian-specific work that's mm-hmm. um, been widely produced. It's existed for forever, but on sm- the smaller scales. And, um, and not a lot of Asian work. And next to the Native population, to the Indigenous representation, Asians are the least represented in the arts across the board um, by huge margins. Mm-hmm. So I know when I do go in for that rare South Asian show, it's usually being helmed by or written by a South Asian person, there's a sense of, I expect you to walk in knowing this culture. Like, you're such a small group that, of course, you know you're you're bringing that with you automatically. Mm. So it's not asking if I speak Hindi or asking if I speak Urdu or something. It's assuming that I do. And right. that's what's uncomfortable. Whereas I feel like other minority groups though I'm sure it's the same like they assume you speak Spanish yes like that's the awkward thing because for me I'm like because I don't know my culture I'm gonna have to learn this like I would have to learn about any other role yeah well I I think there's uh there's there's very little room for nuance in rooms like that yeah Uh, and people I think intellectually realize that mixed people exist but they don't uh, do the math of it, where they're right. like, "Oh, you're uh, you're Indian American, so you know everything about Indian culture. Um, come in and give that yes, to us." Exactly. When they don't realize, like, "Oh, maybe this person was raised in America. We don't know what right. nobody's interested in." And uh, what that even means to be American? Yeah, what the fuck does that means mean? Means that you could be super attached to a culture from another place or not. Yeah, like, both of those things are very. New York City is an example of that. Like, yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, but people don't ask. Right. And I'm, you know, and I know it does happen in other minority uh, actor groups. And I sometimes get really frustrated because I see friends from other minority groups going out on a, for a lot more auditions for mm-hmm. specific things. And I have to remind myself, like, any minority group who advances, and my parents disagree with me about this, but I think any minority group that advances 
is a win for all minority groups. Ah. Um, as and long as they... The, 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 the reason it's not is if they don't extend a hand. If they don't use their new platform to be like, we have to bring up these other people. Right. The risk is always they have more power and then they're like, fuck everybody else. And your parents are a little more like... They think that. They're like, okay, um, having more... And this is a random example. Sure. How does having, having more Latina representation help you? Mm. Actually, how does that help you? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, depending on the color of their skin, having more brown people on stage ever is normalizing yeah. brown people, which is, is awesome. A, I think this is a really interesting kind of generational fight. Yes. I've had similar conversations with my family, and I, I think uh, whether they're uh, straight off the boat or right. like second generation Americans, uh, I mean, my mom is straight off the, I always joke, I say she's straight off the plane. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I think there's a little bit more of a pragmatism and a practicality to the way that they, they had think. to because they had to think yes. that way. Yes. And since we're their children and we were raised here, we we think a little more symbolically and a little more big picture. Well, also depending on how you were raised, like for me, just speaking for myself, like I did not I did not move through the world <clears throat> up until I left for college thinking I couldn't have things because of where I came from, mm. um, which is a huge privilege yeah. as a person of color. And so many of our parents and grandparents or ourselves did not grow up with that privilege. Right. So then to have a conversation like this, which seems casual and easy for me, is not a, actually a casual conversation. Yeah. It's about so much more. And yeah. I tend to forget that. Yeah. And that comes out when you have those fights with your parents, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, that's very real. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's, and I, I find my, I talk about race all the time now and I have to tell my parents too. I'm like, I'm talking about it all the time now because I'm just learning about it now. Like 18 years of my life, I didn't consider myself a person of color because mm. that's not the reality of how I lived. I still don't. Right. And uh, some, a lot of my friends who are people of color fight me about it, but right. I still can't. <laughs> and it's like, I was just talking to a friend who is half Moroccan and he's like, I go in for Middle Eastern roles all the time, and I'm never considered, despite the fact that I am a Middle Eastern Jewish man, because um, he's white passing. Um, and he's like, we have a mutual friend who she's the exact same background as me. We both went to NYU. I didn't know for years that she was half Indian, because mm. she's totally white passing. Yeah. Totally white passing. Um, and I think she actually is connected to her culture more than me. But so her opportunities that's, yeah, that's are going to really be... interesting more vast, but also like, well, maybe she wants to go in for the Indian daughter and yeah. like, maybe she'll never get that. Yeah. That's a weird little, it's not even conflict, but it's just this weird thing. Cause I've definitely, I'm not, you know, uber connected. My Spanish isn't perfect, but I have like a solid connection mm -hmm. to the Peruvian side of my family. Um, but I've met other Latino people in the city who never learned any Spanish, who are much more Latin presenting mm -hmm. than I am. And it's always this weird little thing of like, yeah oh, maybe I shouldn't know more than you about right. this stuff. It's uh, Right, and it's like, I don't know where that should comes from, but I, somebody I've worked with on a couple of readings, she's amazing. Um, she's half Indian and half Filipina. And one of the first times we were working on this musical, which I'm not going to name because it's going to be a huge deal. Now, I'm <laughs> probably not going to be in it, but I'm going to be like, yes, I support you. Um, I worked on a reading of it a couple of years ago, and it's written by two Asian mixed-race people, the... the um, book is and then the music is written by a white guy who grew up in the same area I grew up so okay. like 
fast. He's like, I write about as much. He's writing a story about what it means to be American, what it means to be mixed, what it means to not be tied to your culture. Oh, but he's shit. like, but I'm not writing about what it means to be Indian. He's like, because I can't write about that, and right. I'm not going to pretend to. But so I worked in this musical. I want to see this show. It's so fucking good. It's going to be, they've been working on it for a long time. The writers are, you would know their names. They're, it's going to be an amazing fucking musical. Um, but it was cool because when I did the reading of it, I got to play the bitch, which is my fave. But she was the girl who was like, you're not Indian enough to the other girl who's oh, mixed. Oh, wow. Um, which was super, but so I got to meet all these awesome Indian actors and be like, okay, who am I going to talk to about all the things going on in my head? So I found this woman and she's had a lot of success in her life, which is also ground, like casually groundbreaking for all the amazing things she's done. But she has an Indian last name, but she looks, she would say, I think that she looks more Filipina than she looks Indian, mm-hmm. which is, she's like, that's really hard. Like I speak Hindi. I go to India. <laughs> my, yeah. my parents are like, my father's Indian and my last name is Indian, but I, I so I I worked on another reading with her a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "What do you do? Like, I'm getting called in for this short film, and it's like the girl like is from a traditional Indian home." I was like, "And I'm just gonna get there and not look Indian enough. Like, that's just what's gonna happen." And I feel like I should just not do it. And she was like, "A, I think you look a lot more Indian than you realize because mm-hmm. it's just not how you're used to seeing yourself." She's like, "And B, let them tell you that." She's like, "I had to learn 20 years in that I'm not gonna go in for those." Hmm. Because they just don't see me as Indian. Regardless of the fact that she doesn't speak Tagalog, she doesn't have any really connection to her Filipina half at all. Yeah, wow. That's what she looks like. Huh. And so that, oh, that, I've talked to a lot of my mixed friends, and specifically mixed Asian friends, about what it means to present as the thing you don't know. Yeah. That's what's difficult, is I look, when I think of myself and I picture my face exactly as it is, I don't feel like I look that Indian. <laughs> I really don't. But I'm sure you must get from other people. Well, people instantly know I'm Indian, which yeah. tells me that I look pretty. <laughs> I mean, even yeah. if they don't know my last name, they're like, oh, you're Indian. I'm yeah. like, oh. I mean, not um, older generations are more confused, but people of our age are like, oh. Right. There's something they see. Like, they just know. So I'm like, oh, okay. I look more Indian than I think. And another really good friend of mine, he's half Vietnamese, um, but doesn't know anything of that culture. Half Vietnamese, half white. and But he looks quite Vietnamese. Mm. And so he's just like... To go into these fucking auditions and have people expect this stuff that I'm supposed to know because of how I look. Yeah, and you end up leaving feeling kind of ignorant yes. of your own culture. Right. Yeah. I'm like, guys, like I I joke all the time. I'm like, all this Irish shit that happens at Irish Rep, I would kill. I have a killer Irish dialect. Yes. I've been to Ireland multiple times. I like have done research on my Irish background. I love I mean, weirdly I know that very well. Mm-hmm. But people are not going to bring me in for that. Mm. And if I were to submit, I'd have to fight for it. Got because it. it's just not... Despite the fact that there's a huge Indian population. Right. Like, there's, like so, that's not what Irish people look like. Right. So you mentioned a little earlier um, that you're talking about race a lot more recently because you're learning about it more. Mm-hmm. Was there a time where you weren't talking about it and maybe... It yeah, because I was white. So I was talking about it as in, let's talk about these people who are affected, these people who aren't me. Yeah. Um, so how did that switch flip? Can you think coming about Coming to it? NYU. Ah, and People okay. being like, well, tell me about your culture. And I'd be like, blah, 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 California, Starbucks, warm weather, <laughs> <laughs> um, Homecoming queen, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Runner up, I'm not homecoming queen, I have to stop telling hey, you. Hey, you were in the court. I was yeah. in the court. Um, <laughs> but, like, and then people being like, no, your culture. And I'd be like, hmm? 
literally just enough times of being asked that. Yeah. Or I was very shy my freshman year, and I'll never forget one of my professors was like, we need to kind of address, like, your shyness. Because especially in musical theater, there aren't often a lot of shy people there. And um, he was like, is it because of your how you were raised? I was like, in California? No. Oh. And I was like, it literally took me a couple of, like, I didn't understand the question. And I was like, oh. I was like, no, because I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. But it, I was like, oh. And then looking around and seeing people that, Looks different for me, but I was used to that. I was like, okay, a bunch of white people. But then yeah. also, my studio at Tish was one of the more diverse musical theater programs, I think, that is out there. Cool. So black and Latina and everywhere in between. And um, so I was like, okay, they're different than me, whatever. But then all of a sudden, getting the roles, roles being assigned to you and me being like, this doesn't fit me at all. Oh, but it's like something a brown person can play basically like okay or that assignment we had an assignment senior year where you had to type everyone before you got into the world yeah. people like mindy kaling i'm like <laughs> oh no i mean she's funny she's great so i'll take it but if you were to put us next to each other we don't look the same at all. all or people not knowing what to say because they weren't sure if type meant personality or looks like uh. it wasn't even they were struggling with their own thing like I have a friend of mine who's a black actress. She was like, people were throwing out Queen Latifah. And she was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, panic. It's like people were making panic choices. They just didn't. It, they were realizing, too, that they weren't thinking Sutton Foster when they were looking at me. Yeah. And then feeling uncomfortable with what does it mean that I'm not thinking that? Yeah. What does type actually mean? Can I say that? Yeah. Well, I think America is really, the way American kids are educated about race is really unique in that there's almost none of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but the the racial education that we do get, at least in the public schools I went to in New York, uh, was sort of, we covered uh, the civil rights movement, uh, uh, the way white people have treated black people in this country, mm -hmm. and, I th and pretty much nothing else. Mm -hmm. And even that was sort of only covered in a cursory way. Right. So I think as a result, a lot of the, at least a lot of the kids I grew up with, their idea of the way race works is like, oh, some people have dark skin, and if they have dark skin, they're exactly that culture. Mm -hmm. I can look on the chart and yeah. say they're that. Yeah. Uh, and if they're white, if they're lighter skin, then they're white. And mm -hmm. I can look on the chart and say that. When in reality, a lot of the times these things mix and that yeah. produces unique circumstances. I feel like specifically, like, like I remember, um, so my really good friend is a black actress and she's married to a Dominican man. And I remember telling my mom that and talking a lot about Dominican culture or like they're going to the Dominican Republic People think Monica is Dominican all the time. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, like, what is this distinction between Dominican and other? She was like, we don't, we don't have Dominican people in where I, I live, specifically in California. She was like, so I actually don't know what you're telling me when you keep saying that he's Dominican. Huh. Like, that doesn't give me any information. And I was like, huh. I get, and that was a distinction I only learned when I moved here. Right. When I met. Dominican people. You come to New York, you're going to learn right. what Dominican is or fast. I have several uh, black actress and artist friends who talk about, like, I'm always mistaken for being Dominican. Mm. And I had to be like, what? Are, but what are you saying when you say that to me? Like, what is the distinction? Yeah. Is it is it a language thing? Is it that you don't speak Spanish? Because, like, that I understand. Is it? I don't understand what that is. Um, so, like, trying to figure out, like, we're also talking about, we're talking about culture. Yeah. More than we're talking about the color of someone's skin. Right. Which is like, now I couldn't do this, but like growing up, 
I could be like, oh, that's Vietnamese, that's Cantonese, that's Mandarin, that's Japanese. Like everybody could, un- you could very clearly hear the distinctions in the languages because they were spoken all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now it's more of a hodgepodge because I'm yeah. not around it as much. I remember like the cool foreign kid at my school, his name, oh, do I remember his name? His name was Julian. He was French Canadian. Okay. We were like, you're from Canada? He was the cool Literally, foreign kid? Literally, he was the cool foreign kid. Wow. And because we, obviously we had a lot of white people, but not like from Europe. Right. They didn't end up in California. Um, that's real <laughs> far for them. Yeah. <laughs> like they all ended up on the East Coast. So we were like, wow, you speak French fluently. That's awesome. That's so funny. And I didn't think that was weird at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Like, I took French, and there was a very small group of us. They were like, why wouldn't you take Spanish? It's so much more helpful. And I was yeah. like, you're right, but I just like French. Yeah. Or, like, a lot of my friends took sign language, which I also didn't realize was weird. Um, so I, so I, I talk about it because I was so ignorant for so long of my place in it, and I still don't know my place in it. That's why we're talking about it. But I'm like, I feel like I, I also know for a fact I perpetuated and engaged in stereotypes, harmful stereotypes growing uh, me up. Too. Me too. A thousand percent. Absolutely. Um, what, what was it like coming to terms with that? It really like, I just felt so terrible. I felt so terrible for not realizing it sooner. Yeah. Like specifically, I feel like I engaged in stereotypes about the black community because there was a different slang. Everybody, all of our different ethnic groups at our school dressed differently and spoke differently, and they were also within that all their own individual human beings. Right. But I don't know. I feel like I there was a way of speaking that I thought that I could also speak that way because I like had black friends. Okay, I see what you're saying. And it's like no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't do that because. There's, like, so many layers of meaning that you're just totally yeah. missing that you, you think uh, you can do. There's a certain amount of leeway you got to give yourself uh, when guess. it comes to being a kid. Right. I, yeah, Especially yes, if you're growing but, up, and you grew up in a much more diverse community mm-hmm. than I did, which probably made that kind of thing more confusing. Yeah. Because this is just the community you're growing up in. Right. And I also realized, too, like, I did not... Like, again, the, major, the majority of my friends who are people of color, I would say are black here in the city specifically, um, which was just so not true growing up. Hmm. I didn't have many black friends. And I'm not to tokenize black people, but it made me hyper aware of, like, I mean, I'm not engaging with parts of my community. And I don't think it was active. I think it had to do with, it just so happened, what the the different demographics that were in different things that I participated in. I really love that phrase you used, uh, that I wasn't, I wasn't engaging with that part of the community. Because I think, especially in, we run in kind of similar circles, which are like the New York arts and comedy communities, Mm -hmm. where there's a real, I think there's a real emphasis on seeming like we're, I hate the word, but seeming like we're woke. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we are, that we understand things about cultural sensitivity, uh, and that like we're not ignorant, but mm-hmm. on a certain level, you can you can read as much shit about being woke as you want. But if yeah. you're not engaging with other cultures and learning things about them, right. then I'm not sure how much that reading means. Right, right. And I know like something I think a lot about is what what position of privilege do I have that I can use that another community can't? When all the election stuff fell out, this close group of friends and I 
my friend who is a black actress, my friend who's a white actress, and me. Um, and we all got together and we're like, okay, what do we do? Like, what, what are, how are we going to affect change? Because um, my friend who's a white actress, she's like, I'm a liberal. I've been liberal my whole life. She went back to Wisconsin, her family, to like truck people from small towns to voting booths. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, she's like, we're very active in our com- political community in trying to affect change in the most positive way. On a local level, too. But she's like, but I feel like any time I try to assert my feminism or help, it's like, sit down, white feminist, you're bad. Mm -hmm. And my friend, who is black, she was just like, that's just what's going to happen. And that doesn't mean you need to stop trying to help, but you need to accept that no one's going to give you a pat on the back right now, and that that's really going to suck. Yeah. And that we kind of were just like, that's heavy, but that's true. Yeah. And even for us mixed people, yep. we have to accept the same thing. Well, and that's it. And my friend, she was like, so I have, she's very Christian. So she's like, I can go to my community in a way that like I, Kimberly couldn't because I am not religious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. Like, she's like, so I'm going to go to my people, like divide and conquer kind of. And I was like, being mixed race, being mixed Asian specifically, um, I feel like I'm privileged in that I'm it's not actually speaking for all the communities, speaking for myself. I'm very quickly accepted into white communities, I find, very often, because that's culturally how I was raised. Mm-hmm. But also, being a person of color, I find, like, my friends of color will... I don't talk, but I'll try and listen to their experiences, because they feel like I can relate in my current life. So I'm like, I have this great opportunity to kind of have a foot in both worlds. I don't have power in either world. Oh, but I, but I, I can't I, tell you how much <laughs> I identify with that. But I, I can, can like, tell you. But I can kind of whisper things, like, I... Just did a show with a cast of humans that I love more than my own life. Um, that's intense, but I mean it if you ever listen to this. That was the most theatery sentence I've I know, ever heard. it's true. And I say that about my mom's like, you say that about everyone. I'm like, I know, but like, I mean it about these people. I stalk them, I hang out with them all the time, I text them all the time. Because um, we were in a show for eight months together. And it's an eight-person show. So we get wow. to know each other very well. Yeah. And um, they are all white. And we would get V-drunk. <laughs> on our days off and talk about the issues of the world. Mm. And I was so grateful. It was four women, including myself, and four men. And the men, first of all, were already uh, uh, feminists, but also f- so open to having conversations about intersectionality, and everybody was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not like the spokesperson for all of intersectional feminism. That would be hilariously terrible. <laughs> but I was like, but I can't. The fact that this group of people who did not have my experiences and acknowledge that they didn't walk through the world with my struggles were so willing to be like, let's talk about this. What can we do to change? Who can we talk to? I was like, I have this unique position to be like, hey, I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I want you to go tell your white friends yeah. how, what you've learned here. Yeah. My friends joke, I was like, I was truly spreading the gospel because I was like, I, you will listen to me as a close confidant, but I'm not going to go over and talk to your white friend of a friend who's posting shit on Facebook yeah. because I'm the aggressor, right? I'm like, but it's you guys like can a, go do that. It's almost like we have, um, I mean, it's funny because my mom is a court interpreter, but mm. like we, we're almost, uh, we can be at our best, I think, like cultural interpreters yes. a little bit. Or just like, yeah, being, I, I think so. And I'm like, I would never uh, go up and, you know, hold the mic if it was a room full of people of color? Never in my life. Room full of white people? I might. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Like, 
Oh, I find myself, I'll, yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I find myself a lot more brave when I'm in a room full of white people Mm -hmm. because I feel, that's where I feel like my voice can make a difference. Yes. And whereas if I'm in a room with a group of people of color, I think my role is to listen. Yes. Yes. And at times it can be confusing and frustrating, but then it's also can be so satisfying when somebody hears you or when somebody shows you something that you hadn't considered about. Yeah. Um, Like so many things about casting. I'm realizing more and more, not like the casting director doesn't have the power. No. The playwright doesn't have the power. All they can do is say, I want you to bring in as much diversity as possible, or go up to me like, this is not good enough. Um, but even still, you can't decide who gets it. Yeah. And that, which is why we need more people of color as directors and more people and of color. Writers. Like, and because, and specifically, I have seen people of color writers and female casting directors um, with white male artistic directors. And since the white male artistic director gets the final say, Mm. and this is not to say that all white male artistic directors are terrible people, but I have been in the room when I've seen it happen, that they're the ones who make the call that goes in a less diverse direction and nobody has a choice. Nobody can say anything about it. Yeah. And I also think it matters too because if you leave it down to the actor to refuse work, you're asking somebody to turn down work and that is always going to make it more difficult. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yeah. I mean, I, the, me personally, I've done it before where I'm like, okay, this role is about Indian people, but it's written by two white people and it's stereotypical. I'm not going to audition for that. Yeah. I don't that. care if they're offering it to me. I'm not going to take that. Yeah. But that's because I've decided I'm comfortable with that. Like I'm comfortable with working my day job instead of doing that acting job at this point in my life. I think right that's now. a, I think that's a great attitude. I think we we're almost at a point right now, uh, and I've sort of mentioned this on uh, some of the other episodes, but um, uh, we're at a point right now where everybody's really jazzed about how much advancement in on-screen representation we've made mm-hmm. to the point where we're kind of fetishizing that without realizing the most important thing is, like you said, having people of color in department head positions yeah. yep. as artistic directors, as writers, producers, directors. But we're kind of obsessed with, like, look at all these diverse people on screen mm-hmm. when those people don't have a lot of power. Right. And it's hard because, like, that's it's a meaningful step in terms of the next generation of performers. Right. When people say, like, oh, we tried to cast that Asian show, the talent wasn't out there, mm-hmm. um, which is its own thing, right? But it's like, okay, part of the reason certain cultures, every culture values art. So we should just get rid of that myth, yeah. right? That, like, Asian people don't value art. <laughs> oh LOL, LOL, um, But there are certain communities, I feel like, where they see that, okay, why would I willingly be like yes child you can go into that field where i've never seen anyone like you work Mm. you know like right now we're eight south asian women are kind of exploding which is cool like but before that we had priyanka chopra well you literally had to be the most beautiful literally voted most beautiful woman in the world that happened that was a vote that was tallied most beautiful woman in the world when she was 18 (laughs) and like the most one of the most powerful women in indian box office to to get one Right, so we got one in America because of all of that. Yeah. But now you have I can't I should know her name that wonderful actress who's on The Good Place who's now going to be in that Zach Braff show. Oh, I don't. Where they're know. married and so their kids are two mixed Indian kids. You have Mindy Kaling with that new show uh, Champions, where she's married to like a white guy and they have a mixed Indian kid. That movie Blockers just came out and John Cena is supposed to, is the father of a mixed Indian girl. Oh right. I, so I in the past that. couple months, it's kind of been dope for South Asian people, but also mixed kids. 
They look like South Asian, which is kind of mind-blowing to me. Like, yeah. Blockers looks funny, probably enjoyable, but like whenever I see John Cena standing behind that Indian girl, that mixed girl, I'm like, that's so fucking yeah, powerful that's to me. that's a big deal. That's it's a, a big, big deal. deal. And I hope that other kids seeing that, they're, of course they're not going to think it's a big deal. They're going to be like, oh, cool, me. Yeah, but like, yeah. And, and like, that's huge. And like we talked about before, when you're a kid, you don't realize what quite what is going on, but right. it makes that impression on you. Right. And then you realize later. Right. And also depending, like, so, because I grew up culturally white, when I would go see shows, like in San Francisco or something, and I see a bunch of white people, I was like, that's me. Like, I can do that. Hmm. So I didn't grow up with this complex of, I can't right. perform. Yeah. But if I grew up in a place where my otherness was made known all the time, mm-hmm. I'm sure I would grow up and be like, okay, well, I can't do that. Yeah. There's no one like me up there. Yeah, especially if you're feeling othered by both the white half of you and the whatever the other half is, mm-hmm. which is the case for a lot when of people. When Shobha Narayan was in Great Comet, she was the understudy Natasha, mm-hmm. and she was who I saw when I saw it, which was so amazing. She was the only South Asian female actress on Broadway. Wow. Um, which sounds, when you list it like that, sounds specific. But it's not. It's really not. It's really not. And there was just this amazing um, Manasa Cabaret, which stands for Middle Eastern, North African, South Asian. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, Manasa's terms together because culturally they share a lot historically. Um, there's this great cabaret directed by uh, Dev Junkie that just happened last Monday that I went to. And it was the most Manasa people I'd ever seen assembled in one place in my life. And I went with this friend who's Moroccan and white passing, and we both were like just emotional and seeing that many people assembled in one space. And it was all skin colors, all body types, all heights, all which was also an important thing to see. Yeah. To see a dark skinned Indian man and to see a white passing Lebanese woman who is just as much a part of her culture yeah. as, you know. And then you get into colorism too, like in every culture. Even in when I was in culture. this show, um, like, I was aware, we, we did talkbacks for high schools, and there were a lot of dark-skinned people in the audience, and I'm not sure what all their ethnic backgrounds were. But I was hyper-aware of them watching me, and, like, even though I'm the one person of color up there, like, yeah. I'm not representative of that. Yeah. Like, there's still But things. you know that in some of those audience members' minds, you are. Right. And it's hard because that my parents tell me, like, you can't just, like, knock on someone's door and be like, do all the things at once. And I'm like, I know. So like, you can't, this is their argument, like, you can't see somebody like, okay, we uh, hired a bunch of people from all different ethnic backgrounds and see that they're all light-skinned and be like, you didn't do enough. I'm like, I know. But I also feel like, as clearly they are people that care about inclusion, they probably want to know that there are more things that they could do. Hmm. And I'm, and they don't agree. <laughs> um... I think they're learning to agree. But their number one concern is that I get to keep working as an actor and I don't get blacklisted, which I think is... They're my parents. They're, That's I, wonderful. I parental pragmatism and also second-generation American yeah, pragmatism. Yeah, like, I get it. But I do feel like because of this unique position we have, if I am the one... the whatever... If I'm in this cast of a bunch of ethnic people and I'm, we're all light-skinned we can go up to the awesome playwright or the awesome director and be like, this was so fucking amazing. Here are all the amazing things you did for me. The audience response was fantastic. Um, take this with a, you know, take it or leave it. I, I would love to see more dark skinned people. And 
That's all. It doesn't mean you need to go have a dark-skinned call and tokenize yeah. people. Right. But it, all it is is planting seeds. Because what it is is people don't think of it. Yeah. And I've had arguments with, with like, my brother, um, which we just like to fight, so that's not who knows how real they are. <laughs> but he's like, why should we have to change, like, stories that are canon to, like, make them more inclusive isn't it weirder to be like oh well a black guy has to play that part because you're trying to be inclusive i'm like we can't get to the phase where we don't think about it until we think about it yeah you have to make sucks you have to make a conscious decision yeah and you're gonna and i imagine you will feel tokenizing yeah but you can't get the other thing until you do that yeah it can't be boring until we've worked hard enough to make it boring right and i think that's an uncomfortable i would imagine an uncomfortable position to be in to be like, okay, the, this person was fantastic, but if we pick him, then that means we'll only have one person of color in our cast, and I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. And I don't know what that would feel like. Yeah. It probably feels gross and tokenizing and weird. Sure. But the reality is, as we learn as actors, none of this shit is personal. Yeah. None of it. The reason you get the job is not personal. You yeah. could get the job. You could have done a mediocre audition, but you fit the costume. You'll never know that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you. so we can't worry about that. Yeah. But my dad also reminds me, and this is good advice, but it's cynical advice. Like, the only thing that changes things is money. Like, you have to tell people why things are financially beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. Like, Star Wars was so amazing from a representation perspective, but the reason it's continuing is because it sold some, it made so much fucking money. Yeah. That was the amazing thing about Black Panther, to see so many people in the black community be like, let our wallets show them yeah. how much we want this. On top of... That's how shit actually changes. Exactly. And I think I was not privy to that, even in college. I was not. I was like, we're going to appeal to people's morals. Because the thing yeah. is people are going to agree with you morally. They're like, I want to do that thing that you're saying. Yeah. But when it comes to the a choice between making it, money or not, yeah. which I also didn't realize I was like, Oh, the people who don't do it are immoral people. But I'm sure if you were to talk to them, they'd be like, yeah, we know it's full of white people. We feel really shitty about that. But if it, it, this person's famous and that person isn't, yeah, well, and we don't of, take a risk. Uh, part of the reason Black Panther is such a big deal is because for so long, the myth in Hollywood was yes. black, black movies don't sell internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that's actually proven economically that, uh, you know what they do. Yep. Uh, and hopefully that same, you know, proving ground can happen for right. a lot of other marginalized groups. Or I saw a wrinkle in time, which was, ad- ad- it was adorable. I still haven't seen it. Um, but effortlessly, effortlessly multicultural. Yeah. The daughter is biracial. It's like what Chris, um, I was say the hot Chris, but there's like five. The hot Chris, Chris Pine. Uh, Chris, Pine. <laughs> Chris Pine and Gugum Bathu Ra's daughter so mixed race black daughter and then the other son who's adopted was asian american and then the boy who's the friend was the white guy and then you had mindy kaling reese witherspoon and oprah as like all the misses yeah i was like okay see and then all a bunch of the side characters and i'm like and it's never commented on yeah ever that's the best to me it's the best and they're gonna be people like look at them force feeding it down our throats i'm like if existing and seeing it feels like force feeding, like you have to re-examine. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe you need to be force fed. Clearly, you do because they <laughs> yeah. actually aren't commenting on it. <laughs> yeah, not one. This comment. is the opposite of force feeding. <laughs> right? If this is what you perceive as force feeding, then I will force feed you yeah. until you Happily. die. <laughs> uh, okay, I know uh, we got to get you out of here on time. Yes. Uh, so, Kim, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, is there anything I want to plug? Um, Support 
a lot of downtown theater is so much more inclusive. Go see the things. Obviously, like, the public is dope, but sometimes it can cost a million dollars. But Mayi Theater is amazing. Look at uh, National Asian Artist Project run by Stephen Ang, Nina Zoe Lam, and Bayork Lee, who is, like, in a chorus line. She's an incredible trailblazer. Um, they do a lot of wonderful work for Asian communities. Um, and have awkward conversations with your friends. I have... My trio of best friends. I love that. Are, oh, I love that so much. I love that I asked, because most people will be like, oh, I'm doing stand-up here, but you're, oh. you're plugging have uncomfortable also, conversations like I'm with your friends. Also, unemployed as an actor, there's nothing to plug. <laughs> um, but also, like, I talk to these two actress friends all the time, and it's so, I learn new things every time I talk to them about my biases, about things that I can be, work that I can work on, um, talk to other actors of color, um, and other white actors just talk it's like the the, and I'll be brief if I can but um, I think I was waiting for so long for the day where I could find just the white right fra- <laughs> white phrasing just the right <laughs> phrasing where I would encapsulate my thoughts so perfectly and so clearly logically that I couldn't possibly offend someone uh, and it's not possible guys it's never, gonna, never gonna happen <laughs> and so like stick your foot in your mouth if you have to probably not to do it on a public stage but like <laughs> sorry I'm getting really excited about this and I'm throwing my hands up in the air I had an amazing conversation once with a, a black actress friend of mine who I told I, we it was a very heat it was a very diverse group we were working on an advi- devised show it all got very heated and we all just exploded one day and I was telling her I was like you will never understand what it's like to look like the thing that you aren't you mm. never know what it's like to walk through that world and she was like bitch I grew up Jehovah's Witness in an all-white community in New Jersey. And you're telling me I don't know? But I mean, I was like, oh, but you're black. There's black representation. You have black actor friends. You don't yeah. know. And I was like, wow. I, I'm walking around making so many more assumptions with people that should be my allies. And I had, ne- and I had never thought of it. And then our assistant director is from Israel. She's like, let me tell you what it's like to live in a place where people are like, let's decide whose pain is more important. She was like, war and bombs. So try to avoid that conversation. I get caught up in it so easily. Yeah. I get, they have more representation. They have more representation. They aren't helping us. But I love the spirit of uh, keep putting your foot in your mouth. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't be like, I'm going to say the most offensive thing and see what happens. Right. Yeah. There's a line to walk through. There's a line. But yeah, because I think otherwise... It's all in a vacuum, and the vacuum feels very exciting, and like, we all understand each other, yay! Yeah. But, I don't know. It's super uncomfortable. Mm, For sure. (laughs) But you also have to know you're doing it for, not for you, you're doing it for the next generation. Like, we hope that it changes now, and that I'm going to work more, but if not, I want the next group of mixed-race Indian kids to be like, which, it's kind of amazing that that's happening right now. Watch TV, guys. Watch those shows. Go see that movie. Um... Because it's weirdly happening in this particular moment. Go see Teenage Dicks specifically at the public in Mayi. It's going to be fucking amazing. And Hell it's yeah. inclusive, uh, which is a whole other conversation, about um, actors with disabilities. It's incredible. Go Great. See. Kim, thank you so much for Thanks coming. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. And that's it for episode three of La Mescla. Uh, thank you so much to Kim for coming in. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who's subscribed uh, and rated on iTunes. Uh, we don't have any reviews yet, so if anybody feels like writing a review, please do. 
even if it's a shitty one, I am so down with someone writing a really shitty review of this show, because uh, that means that someone cares about it, you guys. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. I'm Adrian Burke, and we'll see you next week with episode four. Então anota aí, eu só quero ser feliz, morrendo tendo orgulho das coisas boas que eu fiz. And of all that I know, for all that I live, love and loyalty is as real as it gets. Put your L's up in the air.